This week's episode of The Amazing Nerd Show is sponsored by Stamps.com. Since 1998, Stamps.com has been an indispensable tool for nearly one million businesses. Stamps.com brings the services of the U.S. Postal Service and UPS shipping right to your computer. Whether you're an office sending out invoices or a side hustle Etsy shop or a full-blown warehouse shipping out orders, Stamps.com will make your life easier. Listeners, all you'll need is a computer and standard printer. No special supplies or equipment needed. Within minutes, you're up and running, printing official postage for any letter, any package, anywhere. And you'll get exclusive discounts on postage and shipping from USPS and UPS. Once your mail is ready, just schedule a pickup or just drop it off. No traffic, no lines. Really cut the confusion out of shipping. With Stamps.com's new Rate Advisor tool, you can compare shipping rates and timelines to easily find the best option. You can save time and money with Stamps.com. There's no risk. And with our promo code POD, you get a special offer that includes a four-week trial plus free postage and a digital scale. There's no long-term commitments or contracts. Just go to Stamps.com, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage, and type in POD. That's Stamps.com, promo code P-O-D. That's Stamps.com. Never go to the post office again. Nerds, it's time to suit up and nerd up. Launching badass rockabilly track. ANS Protocol is active. Now collecting multiversal variants. Time to save the world with some wrestling, video games, movies, horror, and more. Launching ANS in 3, 2, 1. Welcome to the Amazing Nerd Show. Hey, this is Christian. Hey, this is Damon. And this is the Amazing Nerd Show. All right, on this week's episode, we're breaking down the brand new trailer for Spider-Man No Way Home. Also, in celebration of the new Hawkeye series premiering on Disney Plus next week, we're counting down our top MCU Disney Plus moments so far. Plus, who did WWE fire this week? And AEW's full gear. That's awful. (laughs) Those bastards. All right, but before we move on, make sure to subscribe to us on your favorite podcast platform. And while you're at it, give us a five-star review and DM us a screenshot. Not only will we read it on the show, but we'll send you some amazing Nerd Show swag. Let's get into the news. Every week, we collect the biggest headlines and rumors of nerdum. We're not mild-mannered reporters. We're mere podcasters with opinions. Well, first up, a Daredevil reboot rumored to be in the works. So, yeah, the rumor going around is there's some kind of Daredevil project on the way. Uh, This came to light courtesy of RPK1 News uh, on Twitter. RPK, who has broke similar stories in the past, uh, shared part of a casting grid for the Daredevil reboot. Uh, No word if this is going to be a series or a film. Over the past couple months, we've heard numerous reports that Daredevil might be making appearances in other Marvel projects, so an eventual project of his own only makes sense. Uh, But at this point, this is still a rumor. So Christian, what would you like to see, a Daredevil series or a Daredevil film? Well, at this point, I think I'd be happy either way with how MCU is handling just the shows and the movies all together. But I feel like as a way to separate it more from what it, you know, the previous uh, Daredevil series that they had for Netflix, I would probably want it to be a movie just so it can have its own stamp in the MCU. And I, I can imagine, you know, there's probably a great story that they can tell in a two hour format either way. So, I mean, he's got such a great amount of characters to play around with. 
No, I agree 100% because even if they start off with the film, they could always turn it into a series eventually on exactly. Disney+. Plus. So, I mean, we live in a world where we can have our cake and eat it too. Yeah, crazy. <laughs> well, up next, Doctor Strange sequel undergoing some significant reshoots. So, yes, insiders say that Cumberbatch and company are undertaking six weeks of shooting, if not more, working six days a week. Uh, now, while some people on the internet were running around like the sky was falling because of this, uh, several factors appeared to be driving the return to production. Uh, one insider says that two weeks are dedicated to principal photography that wasn't completed during the initial UK-based shoot due to what he described as actor availability issues. Uh, the insider also dismissed concerns that the reshoots were related to retooling the story. Apparently, another reason for the shoot concerns compensating for COVID-related production slowdowns that affected the UK production. Uh, one source downplayed the severity of the shoot, saying even while in the middle of production, Marvel is scheduling you for more shooting. They went on to add that the size and complexity of a Marvel movie often necessitates additional photography. While some other insiders definitely raised eyebrows at the size of the reshoots, another insider was quoted as saying, Saying, we've had bigger reshoots on other MCU movies in the past. I don't know. So with all those different factors coming in play, I definitely don't think this is like a Rogue One situation. At least not yet. If anything, I'm less worried about the fact that it needed reshoots than I am the amount of crunch these poor employees are probably going to have to go through over the next couple weeks just getting all this done. Yeah, so. right. <laughs> It's what it is what it is, though. It's film business, baby. Also, we got a report that Lucasfilm has extended Kathleen Kennedy's contract by three years. So according to journalist Matthew Bellani of Puck, Kennedy reportedly recently re-upped her deal for another three years, leaving her in control of franchises such as Star Wars, Indiana Jones and Willow until at least 2024. Uh, I don't know about you, Christian, but I'm definitely surprised by this uh, just because her 10 years been rocky to say the least um maybe she's getting a pass because of you know the mandalorian success but i don't know speaking of which like i mean what favreau didn't want the job or filoni i don't know maybe they're panning out to see like how indy does the next one maybe that's it i don't know sure <laughs> <laughs> i'm sure there's other people dying for this position so I'm ready for some change uh, in that department, personally. <laughs> I agree. We also got some breaking casting news as well for both Marvel and Star Wars. On the Marvel side, things seem to be picking up for Blade as we got the casting of the Harder They Fall star Delroy Lindo in an undisclosed role. Lindo is a fantastic actor and definitely a welcome member of the MCU. It all just comes down to who they're going to be playing. And honestly, because we have no plot details yet, I have no idea who to even speculate just yet. But of course, we'll keep you up to date as soon as we know right here on The Amazing Nerd Show. But a character we don't have to speculate on who's playing them is Star Wars' Sabine, as Natasha Lou Bardizzo has been casted for the live-action Ahsoka series. Natasha now joins Menemsau's Ezra, Lars Mikkelsen's Thrawn, Rosario Dawson's Ahsoka, along with the recently announced return of Christian Haydenson, who will appear in this series as well as the Obi-Wan series. Honestly, after Ahsoka's appearance in Mandalorian Season 2, I could not possibly be any more hyped than I am for the live-action version of the events that will follow Star Wars Rebels. And I do hope that Natasha's portrayal of Sabine will be as spot on as Rosario Dawson's Ahsoka. 
But on the horror front, Pumpkinhead is the latest classic horror franchise getting a major reboot. Yes, the cult horror franchise Pumpkinhead is set to receive a reboot courtesy of Paramount Players, who are an offshoot of Paramount Pictures and are currently also working on the Pet Cemetery prequel. While there are few details known about the project at this point, a script has allegedly been completed and production has reportedly begun. Uh, the first Pumpkinhead film directed by special effects guru Stan Winston is just an absolute classic. I know a while back there was some like made for TV sequels that weren't really up to snuff. So I'm just hoping that the film does a better job of honoring the original. Well, that's all the latest news, but we got a big trailer this week. That's right. We finally got the second trailer for Spider-Man No Way Home. Hello, Peter. I'm sorry, what was your name again? Dr. Otto Octavius. <laughs> Wait, no, seriously, what's your actual name? There are others out there. We need to send them back. So, Scooby-Doo this crap. You know, all this is kind of your mess. I know a couple of magic words myself, starting with the word please. Please, Scooby-Doo this crap. Let's break it down. Break it down. So yeah, the trailer starts off with a somber-looking Peter hanging out in the rain. Uh, here, during a montage of footage of him and MJ, and a little visual nod to his identity being revealed, uh, we hear Peter reflecting on how his life hasn't been normal since that fateful day being bitten by a radioactive spider, except for that you know brief week with MJ. After this, we see Peter and MJ being surrounded by helicopters, uh, and then a scene of them swinging through a subway, perhaps a escaping. Uh, then we see Peter go to Doctor Strange in a scene that takes place apparently after he asked Strange to put the genie back in the bottle uh, when it comes to his identity. The good doctor here tells Peter that ever since uh, Peter botched the spell to wipe people's memories, they've been having different visitors from other universes. It makes me wonder if we're going to get any types of villains outside of what we've gotten from, you know, trailers and stuff like that in this trailer. Or heroes movie. like, you know, Daredevil. Well, maybe, maybe. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so then we see the Green Goblin for the first time in what looks to be an expanded version of the expressway scene from the first trailer. Uh, he's in his, you know, Power Ranger garb. I don't know, man. I hate that fucking costume. <laughs> It is what it is. Uh, then we see Spider-Man dodge some lightning in a black costume, which is new to the movie. Uh, no doubt coming from Electro. Uh, then we head back to the expressway scene and we catch more of the fight between Peter and Doc Ock. Uh, we get a moment where Dr. Octopus realizes this isn't his Peter Parker. I like that they went this route of it not being like the same Peter in every single universe. Like it's not just a copy of his same look in every single universe because that way then we can get different versions of these characters or different people that could possibly be these same characters from other universes. Well, and it totally matches up with what they did 
you know, on the Loki show where there's yes. different variants and everything. Mm-hmm. So it just makes sense. So next we cut to Doc Ock being imprisoned in what seems to be Doctor Strange's, you know, home. Also, apparently he's had some kind of upgrade to his tentacles because they seem to be red now. Uh, we'll talk more about that in a little bit. Uh, here, MJ and Peter and Ned rip on the poor guy's name. I, I mean, it is a little on the nose, but whatever. Next, we cut to the Statue of Liberty. It has a giant version of Captain America's shield now in what I guess is supposed to be some kind of tribute to Steve. I mean, poor Sam. Like, no pressure. Those are some huge shoes to fill. Funny enough, it took me a while to even notice that the shield was there. Like, I just totally saw the Statue of Liberty, and I was like, oh, this is fine. Uh-huh. I mean, it's a giant fucking shield, Christian. Uh-huh. <laughs> so then we see Spider-Man in the black suit again. Uh, some people are saying that it's just his regular suit turned inside out. I don't know. I think this is some spellbound version of this suit, because if you look closely, it looks like it has some like runes like ingrained on it. Also, he has this gauntlet that also has like, you know, runes like projecting out of it. So I don't know. I mean, I guess he could have turned his suit inside out to maybe insulate against Electro's attacks, but I feel like that's a stretch at best. Uh, Also, Electro is standing like right behind him in this scene. Uh, Christian, anyway, what do you think? I think you shouldn't give these guys any any credit for that theory. That's that's just dumb in my opinion. (laughs) It's a brand new suit. That's just, yes, right? (laughs) (laughs) And I don't think he could even turn that suit inside out if he wanted to. No, it like half of them are nanotech, right? Yes. Like, how does that work? Yeah, I saw people arguing about this online. I was like, whatever. I hate the internet. Like, I'm wondering if this gauntlet is to like help Peter like send you know these displaced villains back to their universe like somehow, or if it's to like protect him from you know going to different universes. Like, is it like some kind of anchor type deal? Uh, or like just, you know, detecting like who is from a different universe. Uh, but yeah, I can't imagine it's just him with an inside suit. So then we hear Dr. Strange tell Peter that there are others out there that need to go back to their world and that Peter and the gang need to Scooby-Doo this shit. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if like Dr. Strange has ever actually watched an episode of Scooby-Doo because that's definitely not the scale of problem that Scooby and the gang deal with. I mean, usually they just unmask old men. Uh, Maybe they're going to have to unmask Dr. Strange though, right? Uh, Mephisto confirmed. I'm still not past the idea of Mysterio being Dr. Strange, but I mean, that's just a, you know, a wild concept. (laughs) We we are technically missing a member right now of the Sinister Six. So um, that could be a possibility. I would not be surprised if Mysterio does pop up. So next we see some destruction being caused by Electro and Sandman. Uh, We get a glimpse of JJ looking on. Then we hear Doc Ock tell Peter that he's fighting ghosts. Uh, Doctor Strange elaborates, explaining that all these villains died fighting their version of Spider-Man. So that means it's their fate. It sounds like he's alluding to Peter having to kill them all to, like, you know, set everything back right. Uh, He apologizes to Peter. But of course, Peter being Peter, he's not willing to accept this. Uh, He ends up swiping that magical doohickey box that we saw in the first trailer out of Doctor Strange's hands. And this puts him at odds with Doctor Strange. Now, Christian, before we move on, 
Not all the villains that are featured in this trailer died in their previous Spider-Man films. Like Lizard didn't die and Sandman didn't die. Uh, so I don't know. I mean, unless that happened off screen, it doesn't really make much sense. Which then makes me wonder if these are different versions of these characters or maybe even from different universes that we're unaware of. That's a possibility. Um, I don't know, man. I, I'm just surprised like how dark of a tone this film has. <laughs> <laughs> um, like literally Doctor Strange and Spider-Man are battling like over this box because Peter doesn't want to allow these villains to die and he's being like forced into like this situation um, to save the multiverse by like murdering people. It's pretty, mm. pretty heavy shit right there. Uh, I, I do like, you know, bringing up Mysterio again. I mean, Mysterio supposedly died last film battling Spider-Man. So I'm sure like he also has that guilt like weighing on him. Mm -hmm. So I'm wondering if that's somehow going to come into play like story arc wise with him even being more reluctant than usual to like, you know, commit murder, which I mean, totally goes against the grain for the character as is. No, exactly. I mean, this feels like the path Peter would take if he found out that all these people were going to die. And I appreciate that we've stuck to that version of the character, you know? Although when it comes to aliens, it seems like Peter is more than willing to fucking kill. Because right? <laughs> he sure was quick at Endgame to, you know, activate his instant kill mode with his uh, iron spider suit. Hey, I guess aliens are fair game. I don't know. We've seen Batman do that shit too, right? <laughs> also, before we got this trailer, I thought maybe Doctor Strange would be in one or two acts of the film, but it really feels like he is like a major character from start to finish. And I, I, I think that's pretty cool. And no, I have some ideas of what his role in the ending will be as well. So next we get the soul punching scene with Peter still holding onto the box. Uh, we also see that train moment from the last trailer. Then we get a montage scene with Aunt May running. Uh, we also see Doc Ock get this upgrade to his arms, his tentacles uh, that turns them red. Uh, do you think this is like perhaps like a virus that Peter has set off to help like Doc Ock regain control of his sanity? Because I know in Spider-Man man too he's driven insane by the ai now this was an issue that we saw from iron man at one point throughout the films where when he had the nano suit they were able to rip it off of him um, and that's something that he actually addresses and fixes but maybe he didn't fix that on um, spider-man's suit so you think it's actually octopus taking peter's suit from him yes interesting yeah, I mean, uh, that could be. Plus, we, we see that his like arms are red at that time. So I, I'm, I'm assuming he's already he, like still in that activated like insane mode or whatever they call it. Um, so I'm, oh, I'm assuming are they they're, still they're still glowing red. Yeah, they're still glowing red before okay. before during that fight scene. But I do think later on. Spider so Man you does noticed that, but you didn't notice the giant fucking shield on the Statue <laughs> exactly. of Liberty. <laughs> I, I don't know, man. I have weird eyes. <laughs> but, but technically, that scene could have happened before he gets the red upgrade. So yes. So all right. I mean, we, when, we won't know until we see the fucking movie. Exactly. Because <laughs> I mean, when I first saw the trailer, I was like, "Oh, does Spider Man like create upgrades for Doc Ock to fight with them?" So right. I was like, "Oh." Well, I could see like maybe his suit like detecting something, mm -hmm. you know, because he does have that onboard AI also. So maybe that, you know, what, what's the AI's name? 
And the, I don't remember because they it, he really they didn't use that in the second one film, right? No, That's I don't remember the first its name because I, I I've been playing a game with the AI being Edie. I can't remember the name. Okay. Right now. Yeah, <laughs> but like maybe that AI detects something wrong mm -hmm. with you know octopus's tentacles, and that's how you know they set off a virus. I don't. I'm totally just writing a script of my own now. I guess uh -huh. I, <laughs> it's just because of when we see the arm hit him, then we see the like suit disappearing. That's all I was. That does yeah. drawing from. Yeah, yeah. that may, that checks out though because like why would Peter unmask himself? Uh huh. <laughs> So next in the montage, uh, we see Peter seemingly dodge blast from Electro, who then we get a better look at. He, his appearance has been upgraded. I mean, if you ask me, compared to his weird blue look uh, in Amazing Spider-Man 2, uh, they have given him a little like homage to the classic Thunderbolt mask that he wears in the comic, which is a really nice touch. Uh, he yells, you're not gonna take this away from me. Uh, then it looks like he actually blasts uh, Dr. Octopus. Uh, so my guess is Octopus is actually helping Peter and the gang at this point, which makes sense for his character arc in Spider-Man 2. Yeah, I agree. I think Doc Ock is going to be on his side by the end of the film. But I did love the way that that like electric mask looked when uh -huh. he like sparked it up. I thought it was awesome. <laughs> Although I would still love to see like Jamie Foxx rocking the green and yellow spandex. <laughs> that's just me. Nobody needs it. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Give me the old school lightning bolt mask, goddammit. So up next, we see Peter with the box again. Everything goes Inception with uh, Strange chasing after him. Uh, so I'm guessing that Strange is, you know, bending reality to stop him. Uh, we get a voiceover from William Defoe saying you're struggling to have everything you want while the world is making you choose. Uh, then we get a closer look at the Goblin in all of his Power Ranger glory. We then cut back to the Statue of Liberty. I mean, a lot of this trailer takes place at the Statue of Liberty. I'm, I'm guessing this is probably where their like final battle is at. I mean, regardless, I'm getting like strong first X-Men film vibes from it. Well, anyway, here we see another green goblin, perhaps. I'm not sure if this is supposed to be Harry. Uh, maybe it's the Amazing Spider-Man version played by uh, Dane Duhon. I definitely don't think this is Willem Dafoe, though. Yeah, I wasn't sure if it was like just a weirdly new design for the Green Goblin, or if we're just going to get a bunch of variants of all these villains popping up at the end. I think that would be a crazy climactic scene, especially yeah. since, you know, um, Doctor Strange is saying, I can't hold them all out at one point in this trailer. Yeah, so maybe like the amazing Spider-Man version of Harry, you know, is leaked through. Yeah. I have no clue. Like, is he your sixth, <laughs> like, member of the Sinister Six? It'd be weird to have two goblins. I hope but, not. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Me too. But honestly, I wouldn't be surprised because, you know, Harry in those movies played such a big part. He's pretty much the main villain in the second film. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, it would make sense for him to be part of this. Especially if we are going to get the other Spider-Men from those films, you would think that, you know, Andrew Garfield's Spider-Man would, you know, want to have another moment with him to get a little, you know, revenge for what he did to Gwen. Yeah, but Damon, he says he's not in the film. <laughs> <laughs> Literally every morning, apparently, because uh -huh. I keep on waking up to that article. You know, it's like the same article, just a different day. I hate the internet. Did I mention that? 
<laughs> so up next, we see some kind of energy signature coming from the Statue of Liberty. Uh, it seems to be magic-based since it's similar to the look of the spell that Doctor Strange casts for Peter. Uh, and then in the moment that everyone's talking about on the internet, we see Sandman, Lizard, and Electro on a collision course for Peter wearing his Iron Spider costume. So what really got people talking, though, is if you look closely at the Lizard, it seems like he gets hit by some kind of phantom punch. So possibly a character or characters have been like CGI wiped out of the scene. Uh, if so, it's probably the long rumored two previous Spider-Men coming to help Peter uh, against their collective villains. I mean, Marvel's definitely done this before in their trailers, so I wouldn't be surprised. It's definitely suspicious at best. And apparently that was only in the foreign release version. Like the Yes, because I was going crazy at first. Like, I didn't uh -huh. see that. Because <laughs> then I thought the footage was doctored, but then I was mm. like, oh, okay, that makes sense. But don't think for a second that they don't do that shit on purpose. Mm -hmm. You know, leave those little bread crumbs out to like get people talking. I was just amazed like how many people were pouting online about the fact that like we didn't get to see the other Spider-Man in this trailer. I mean, how spoiled are we at this point? <laughs> you just can't wait the couple weeks to like actually see them in the theater and like have exactly. it be an actual surprise. I mean, relax. Does no one like to be surprised anymore? <laughs> Apparently not. Not that this is a surprise. This is the worst secret ever. Oh, oh no. But still. <laughs> like I said, I would be like happy not getting a trailer at all. But I mean, we have this podcast that we have to do. So Exactly. <laughs> then we get a moment between Aunt May and Peter where Peter tells May that he can't save everyone. Then it cuts to an all too familiar visual of MJ falling, echoing what we've seen happen to Peter's love interest in all the past Spider-Man films. And of course, in the classic comic book. Uh, Peter jumps to save her, leaving poor Ned dangling from a flagpole. Also, right before this moment, we see the shield on the Statue of Liberty come crashing down, probably causing this moment. So anyway, Christian, do you think Peter's actually going to lose one of his supporting cast members? Like, possibly MJ even? I actually think this will be a redemption moment for Andrew Garfield. Yes. I feel like he will come in and save her last second, you know, because obviously Tom Holland's about to make the exact same mistake. Ooh, what if it's his Green Goblin that causes that accident and then mm. he actually comes in and saves her so he does get the full on redemption? That would be a great moment, but we'll have to wait till the film comes out. <laughs> <laughs> as much as I bitch about these trailers, it is fun to speculate, though. Uh-huh. So anyway, in the night sky, we see those strange energy signatures surrounding uh, the Statue of Liberty again. Uh, and then we hear a pretty stressed out Doctor Strange disclaim, they're all coming through and I can't stop them. So either he's talking about the Sinister Six here, or most likely the multiverse itself. I mean, we do know that the title of his next film is The Multiverse of Madness, so I guess it only makes sense. But what do you think? Yeah, I think this will be the threshold moment for doc this film in general, like where it lines up with everyone else's, you know, passing that threshold scene that we've been getting in all the MCU shows. So No, I completely agree, because why would it just be like Spider-Man villains coming through? Mm -hmm. You know, unless they're somehow like attracted to Peter, like, you know, like he's an anchor or something. Um but yeah, you would think it would just be like the multiverse in general opening up. Now, nah, then we'd be getting really into that Spider-Verse type shit. <laughs> yeah, right. Which is cool. I mean, mm. <laughs> I wouldn't mind that. But you know what? Overall, I thought this was a great trailer. I thought it gave us just enough of the movie. 
uh, without like showing us the whole fucking thing. With that being said, I hope this is the last of the trailers. Yes, please. I'm, I'm sure there'll be like a little brief moment here and there attached to like, you know, something they do on TV. But like, I'm good. Like, I don't need to watch those. I'd rather just go straight into the theaters with only like this knowledge at this point. Like, it's already going to be madness with them releasing a couple days early in the UK, just having to avoid spoilers. Oh, yeah. So like, I, I don't need another trailer. Stay I'm off good. Twitter. <laughs> yes. I remember way back when Infinity War came out, people posting GIFs of fucking Peter getting dusted on our page. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, no, fuck that. (laughs) I'll just be staying off of social media for a couple days. Well, like, I saw an image of Iron Man holding the glove right before the snap in in Endgame, right before the movie came out, but I didn't Uh, know what it was. So I was like, I'm I'm just... (laughs) Assholes. Uh, fuck the internet you're right (laughs) (laughs) that's the theme for this episode and now a message from our sponsor manscaped ho 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 gentlemen the holidays came early here at manscaped the leading men's hygiene brand manscaped just launched new products including their all-new ultra premium body wash and two-in-one shampoo and conditioner it's time to give yourself or someone who needs it the gift of beautiful skin hair and balls this holiday season Go to manscaped.com and use our code 20AMAZING for 20% off plus free shipping. Jingle balls to the walls, fellas. Listen up. Untrimmed pubes are a thing of the past, and it's possible you have Santa's beard in your pants. It's time to leave your significant other some cookies and milk at the bottom of your chimney. I'm talking about the Manscaped Performance Package 4.0. Christian, I still remember that magical Christmas like it was yesterday. I thought I was finished unwrapping all my gifts, and then my wife surprised me by handing me my first Manscaped performance package. And Christian, I swear I could hear church bells ring and choirs sing as my life was changed forever. Inside the performance package 4.0, you'll find the signature lawnmower 4.0. This electric trimmer has proprietary advanced skin safe technology to reduce cuts, on your nuts. So the Manscaped Performance Package 4.0 also includes the Crop Preserver and Crop Reviver, an anti-chafing ball deodorant, moisturizer, and toner. It's time to keep your North Pole feeling and smelling fresh. This hygiene bundle will also come with a pair of Manscaped anti-chafing boxers. They'll keep your junk feeling fresh all day. It's the perfect package for your perfect package. Manscaped is going beyond the groin with their new Ultra Premium Body Wash. It's infused with aloe vera and sea salt to keep your your skin feeling fresh, nice, and moisturized. They also just launched their new two-in-one shampoo and conditioner, which has ingredients with benefits that include hydrating, nourishing, conditioning the scalp, plus strengthening your hair at the same time. Tis the season to load up on Manscaped products, so get yourself, your dad, your brother, and friends the best gift of all, the Manscaped Performance Package 4.0. Get 20% off plus free shipping with our code 20AMAZING at manscaped.com. Every guy out there needs to add Manscaped to their wish list this season. That's right. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code 20AMAZING at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use our code 20AMAZING. Clean up your nuts and make Santa proud this year. Also, if you want to make the Amazing Nerd Show proud, go ahead and send us a screenshot of you using our promo code at checkout with manscaped.com. We'll send you some free nerd swag as long as you live in the United States area. Manscaped, your nuts will thank you.
And now for the Amazing Nerd Show's top 5 favorite moments from the Disney Plus MCU shows so far. So with the premiere of the Hawkeye series on Disney Plus happening next week, and the one year anniversary of the MCU shows on Disney Plus right around the corner, we thought we'd go ahead and celebrate one hell of a first year by reflecting on some of our favorite moments of the Disney Plus MCU era so far. Uh, and of course we're going to do this with a good old fashioned countdown. Uh, quick note, these are our favorite moments, not the most important moments of the series. So they'll definitely run the gamut from comedic to dark to inspiring. Also, we're going to go top five here and we both have our own lists. So without further ado, let's get into it. Warning this countdown contains heavy spoilers from the Marvel shows, What If, Loki, WandaVision, and Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Again major spoilers ahead you have been warned. Number 5. Glorious Purpose, from Episode 5 of Loki. And a hell of a hero moment for the variant known as classic Loki, played by the great Richard E. Grant. We see not only the untapped potential power-wise our Loki has, as his older, more experienced variant creates an illusion of Asgard as a distraction to save the day, but we also witness the potential hero our Loki could become as his variant finds glorious purpose at last in a truly selfless moment. Number 5. Battle of the Lokis, from Episode 5 of Loki. How about this one? My army, my throne. About that. My beef-witted, half-faced scrubs! We had a deal! Sake. Why the hell is there an alligator in here? With all the madness of all the like time variants came one of my favorite moments from Loki as we got a scene of Loki's pure double cross nature coming to bite him in the ass. Loki watching on as a ton of different versions of himself fight over a throne at the end of time and glorious purpose was not only fun to watch but gave a great look into how Loki was beginning to grow and understand his own self-destructive ways. Number 4. Agatha All Along from Episode 7 of WandaVision. killed Sparky too. <laughs> In a moment that confirmed everyone's suspicion, even though it didn't necessarily end up being completely true, we get a catchy tune that swept the nation and actually hit the top of the Apple charts. Uh, this moment is a real testament to the show's creativeness as we see the hijinks that Agatha has been up to in between the moments of the WandaVision broadcast. It was the perfect way to highlight the show's whimsical tone, but dark nature. Number 4. Scarlet Witch Unleashed, from Episode 9 of WandaVision. In a given space, only the witch who cast them can use her magic. Thanks for the lesson. But I don't need you to tell me who I am. Elizabeth Olsen throughout WandaVision displayed a masterclass of range and emotions that boiled up into several amazing moments in the series end, but none of them stood out to me more than her delivery of I don't need you to tell me who I am, as the fully realized Scarlet Witch is unleashed. The scene being as much badass as it is terrifying as we don't know what the future holds for Wanda as the Scarlet Witch, but what an amazing debut she had. Number 3. Doctor Strange Goes Insane, from Episode 4 of What If. We're okay. You're okay. 
In the fourth episode of the What If series, we meet a different reality's version of Doctor Strange, who instead of losing the use of his hands, he loses the love of his life, Christine, in a tragic accident. Overcome with grief, he's unable to resist the urge to use his newfound powers to undo this event. What he sadly soon discovers, though, is this is a fixed moment in time and can't be undone. But he's so determined that he chooses to relive her death countless of times in hopes to figuring out a way to save her. It's an absolutely heart-wrenching scene and is amongst the darkest in the MCU history. Here we watch Strange become corrupted by his own grief, so much so that he eventually goes to horrific lengths at the cost of the universe to get one more moment with the woman he loves. And it was at the very tail end of that same episode that made my number three as Doctor Strange's monstrous self is unveiled to Christine, and even then, Strange couldn't get the satisfaction of seeing her happy as the universe crumbled around them. Strange pleading out to the Watcher to do something by far was one of the darkest moments in the MCU, and it will stick with me for quite a while. Number 2. What is grief if not love persevering from Episode 8 of WandaVision? That's all I've ever known. I've never experienced loss because I've never had a loved one to lose. But what is grief? If not love, persevering. So WandaVision is a wonderfully crafted series that revolves around grief. But I didn't necessarily choose this moment because it's a beautifully written piece of dialogue, which it is. No, I chose it because it completely defines what these Disney Plus series could mean for the MCU. It's an amazing scene like this for supporting characters that we would never get in the usual big budget Marvel blockbuster. And it's an exchange that fleshes out characters and relationships and really gives us the music in between the notes and is why these Disney Plus series matter. Number two, crossing the threshold from episode six of Loki. We just cross the threshold. In the end of Loki, we are introduced to Kang and the concepts of the multiverse in a moment that would lay out the blueprints to how this all works and how the MCU might handle the future with a multiverse. We got a great bit of acting from Jonathan Majors, who portrays Kang in the MCU as everything changes when we cross the threshold. And the multiverse was born. Jonathan Majors did a fantastic job as he had to play, you know, this man who knew it all and was bored with it, giving our Lokis the ultimate choice to free the MCU or control it. This moment was so exciting for me as it felt like such a hard point in time that would affect all of Marvel going forward. Such a key moment that made what was already an amazing series that much more important to the grand scheme of the MCU. You will all remember where you were when we crossed the threshold. Number two, Sam accepts the mantle of Cap from episode six of Falcon and the Winter Soldier. I feel it, the stares, the judgment, and there's nothing I can do to change it. Yet I'm still here. No super serum, no blonde hair or blue eyes. As Sam comes crashing through the window with the shield and the red, white, and blue on for the first time, you come to the realization that you're witnessing the next chapter of the MCU. Sam's journey in the series and the weight of his decision to carry on the mantle makes this moment even more significant. 
and while the great action sequences give you a taste of what's to come, it's really when Sam addresses the media and the nation for the first time that we see why he's the perfect successor to Steve and truly is the right person to carry on his legacy while building his own. Exactly, as this moment was also my number one, Anthony Mackie absolutely sold me with his performance as Sam with this one speech alone. This series did an amazing job of blending in real life issues into its narrative and it only elevated this moment for me as Sam gave a genuine speech in front of the world, the same that Steve would do at any time in the comics as well. Such an impactful and powerful scene that definitely belongs at the top of both of our lists. This week's episode is brought to you by Smile Brilliant. Damon, if you're like me, you're constantly on the lookout for the best teeth whitening option on the market. Well, this week's sponsor, Smile Brilliant, has provided us with five important facts to keep in mind. Fact number one, teeth whitening does not whiten your teeth. It removes the stains and restores the tooth to its natural color. Natural colors vary per person, but for most, it's an off-white or slightly yellowish undertone. Fact number two, teeth whitening does not damage your teeth, but it does temporarily dehydrate them. When dehydrated, the pores in the enamel are open and exposed. Open pores invite acids and sugars, which we all know lead to tooth decay. Avoid or minimize acidic and sugary substances for at least 24 hours after whitening. Also avoid staining substances. The teeth are more susceptible to restaining during this period. Fact number three, tooth sensitivity is the result of tooth dehydration. When the pores of the enamel are open, the teeth become dehydrated, exposing the nerve to the elements. As the tooth rehydrates, the sensitivity will dissipate. To accelerate the rehydration and curb sensitivity, use a post-whitening application known as remineralization or desensitizing gel. Fact number four, Caps and veneers cannot be whitened because they do not have pores for the stains to latch onto. Prior to having dental work, you should whiten your teeth, restoring them to their natural color as the dentist will be color matching to your current shade. Fact five, the key to teeth whitening is the delivery device. So long as a whitening product is a peroxide based whitener, it will remove the stains. What differentiates one product from the next is the device that holds the whitening agent to the tooth without interruption. You know, whitening strips neglect the crevices and molars and they slide on your teeth. Saliva will flood the generic trays because they are bulky and don't create an actual seal. Oh, and you likely did not know this, but LED lights are novelty items that add no benefits. You need a high output UV light only found at the dentist. Don't fall for the, you know, gimmick. If you insist on a light that does not work, get one on Amazon for $5. The number one whitening device recommended by dentists is the custom fitted tray. You can have a dentist make your trays for $300 to $600, or you can head over to smilebrilliant.com and use their lab direct mail-in process for a fraction of the price you would pay at a dentist. Oh, and if you grind your teeth at night, you can also purchase a Smile Brilliant custom fitted night guard. Once again, for a fraction of the price you would spend at a dentist. That's right. Make sure you head over to Smile Brilliant and use our promo code NERD. That spells nerd for an exclusive amazing nerd show discount. Once again, that's smilebrilliant.com and use our coupon code NERD for an exclusive amazing nerd show discount. And remember, guys, don't be an idiot. Smile Brilliant. Well, now it's time for Christian's Corner. Yeah! 
This past week in gaming had several developments as we celebrated 20 years of Xbox and 20 years of Halo. With Halo marking its 20th year, Xbox decided to give us the free-to-play multiplayer for Halo Infinite early with an open beta. There had been rumors that they were going to do this for quite a while actually, but honestly I didn't put any thought behind it. You know, I thought maybe if anything they would drop just another trailer, but I was pleasantly surprised and I checked it out for myself which I'm happy to report that it gave me that warm hug of nostalgia as I dropped into Team Deathmatch and teabagged my enemies. You know, it feels and plays like Halo as it should. I think the only real thing I could complain about was the small bit of confusion at the beginning over, you know, who your enemies were and who were on your team. I definitely fucked up the first few matches with how they kind of use like a color overshield now rather than making the armor blue or red or something that's more unified for a team. But once I got past that, I realized that this new overshield color makes it incredibly easy to see enemies, which, you know, kind of hurts anyone's stealth style of play. So, I mean, as time goes on, I'm sure that won't even matter to me as I'm that type of run and gun asshole, so who knows. It was just something easy to point out that like if anyone tried to hide on the map, your overshield is just going to glow and give you away. But as I continue to play the game, you can bet that you'll see some bonus streams come up with me and my friends playing Halo over the next few weeks anyway. Other than Halo, there has been a bit of controversy over at Camp Rockstar with the release of the GTA Trilogy Definitive Edition. The remasters of the classic GTA Trilogy, as developed by Grove Street Games through the Unreal Engine, was plagued with numerous bugs, some old, some new, with questionable character design updates and visual choices that ultimately disappointed the fans of the originals which is kind of an understatement to say the least after going through my Twitter feed. On top of that, Rockstar had removed the original trilogy from sales as a way to bolster sales for the new Definitive Edition. But all this blew up in their faces as video after video of the poor state of the games came out online. Rockstar has now apologized for the game's release, promising patches to come within the next few days, and also will be issuing out a free bundle of the original editions to anyone who has purchased the Definitive Edition along with the Fixes they have plans, um, and they also said that they will honor this deal until June 2022. And lastly, before we get into actual wrestling, the devs over at 2K were too excited to hold back what they have been working on, so they dropped a massive trailer for WWE 2K 2022, featuring new character models and new modes along with the confirmation of the return of GM mode. 2K has announced My GM, My Faction, My Rise, along with a superstar showcase featuring Rey Mysterio and Universe Mode. To get into the meat of these announced modes, My GM brings back the highly requested and beloved GM mode. The trailer showed off the menus for this mode, showing how you can, you know, book several matches and based off their types of match, it will cost you, you know, different amounts of money, making sure that you have to balance the amount of cash that you're giving to each superstar as well. So again, you'll find yourself drafting superstars, booking matches, and fighting for network supremacy while balancing your budget. Uh, the overall look of it to me felt a little, I don't know, felt a little mobile gaming but um the fact that you can actually play the matches and stuff like that i guess is the ultimate factor into you know, how raising those ratings up for those matches and how it'll affect your show will be in the end i'll have to play around with it though to really get a true opinion of what their new gm mode is like but just right now based off how it looks i'm not too impressed but i'm interested my faction was a mode that caught my eye as i definitely wanted more faction style gameplay to be added to the game but maybe not as a separate mode in this mode it's it's stated that the 
player will be tasked at building a legendary faction that rivals the iconic NWO. Players will collect, manage, and upgrade superstars with weekly events and regular updates. But this wasn't really shown off in the gameplay. I get the feeling that this could be, you know, 2K's attempt at, you know, building a team mode similar to how we get in the NBA games. But if the animations are there, I hope that they're, you know, implemented into, you know, universe mode so that we can use factions and stuff in that way as well. I also wanted to note that the factions seem like they can only be up to four members instead of like, you know, a traditional five or something like that. My Rise seems like it will be the default campaign mode in which you will build your own superstar and attempt to take them to the top of the WWE. Hopefully it will be better dialogue than what we have seen in the past, but I doubt it. <laughs> Universe mode, from what they showed off, looked the most different out of all the others, and, and people have speculated that, that there may be the ability to focus in on one superstar more than having to control an entire brand of events. Which is fine, but as a person that literally makes his own wrestling show in Universe mode, it scared me a tad that there might be just a single player mode for Universe instead of actually just building your own shows. But then again, I looked at the description, and the description that was available at WWE.com read that and it's offering more control to players than ever over brands, pay-per-views, match results, rivalries, and more, which eased me and my PCW universe worries just a tad bit. Gameplay controls have again been updated now giving right trigger more purpose with controls over special moves along with other additional changes with a bit of a learning curve to begin with. But graphically the game looks stunning. The updated models shown off especially for Edge were impressive and makes me excited to see how this game runs on PC. All these modes and updates are to be elaborated on further in an update coming this January, and I look forward to breaking that down for all of you then. Until then, you can check out our WWE 2K19 Universe mode that we go live with every Friday on Twitch. It's our show's very own fantasy wrestling promotion. I love making it, so I am looking forward to expanding on it with you know the release of WWE 2K 2022. But other than that, we stream tons of new games and old, so make sure to check out The Amazing Dirt Show live on Twitch every weekend. Now, on to wrestling. So this past weekend, we had AEW's Full Gear, and holy shit, it was an amazing show. Uh, like I, I know we said it was a stacked card when we previewed it last episode, but I feel like this went above and beyond, like, my expectations, at least. I mean, bell to bell, this might have been the best pay-per-view they've ever put on in their short history. Uh, but let's go ahead and get into the card. Well, uh, first up, we had our pre-show match with Sheeta and Thunder Rosa defeating Jamie Hayter and Nyla Rose, apparently with help from Serena Deeb. I did not get to watch this match. I'm assuming, uh, you know, per usual, you didn't either. <laughs> no, I did not see this match. Um, it sounds like it definitely played into uh, Dynamite this past Wednesday with Sheeta nursing a bad leg. Um, so I'm excited just to see like that feud carry on now. But all right, time to get into full gear with MJF defeating Darby Allen. So I'll be honest, this might have actually been my favorite like match of the night. And I was surprised to see them actually start off the pay-per-view because they, usually they go with something that's more like high octane to get mm -hmm. the like fans standing on their feet. Uh, where this felt like more of a story-driven feud, 
But what Darby and MJF showed here uh, was that they are truly the future of the fucking company. Yes. And it, it isn't <laughs> just hype. I mean, it's reality. I mean, they tore the house down in like just an instant classic. Uh, I think last week I compared this to like watching a young Triple H and Rock like feuding over the IC title. Um, and that's really the vibes I got here. Because like back then as a fan, you knew like these two were going to be main eventing WrestleMania at some point. Uh, just to be so young and be so fucking good. Because I think both of them are underneath like the age 25. So they're super fucking young. Uh, just the storytelling going on in this match, uh, was impressive alone, but man, MJF, he showed that he could fucking hang. And I think people yes. forget that a lot of times because he's so good on the mic and he doesn't really wrestle that often, which they're making like note of on the shows of late. Have you like, you know, well, you could do that when you only wrestle four times a year. <laughs> so, um, I, I don't know, but like the, it, it kind of keeps him special. So I understand what like Khan is doing, but I thought this was a great match. And it's awesome to think that this is just the tip of the iceberg for these two. Oh yeah. I mean, I started thinking about like, what what's it going to look like in five to ten years when they you know play replays from this match and show just the journey these two guys have had to to their next big match that they have? I mean, Jesus, they had such a great performance against one another, and I'm just I I'm excited to see where they go with MJF because I, I'm wondering who's going to be that guy to finally beat him, and I don't know if that's you know what we got this Wednesday with CM Punk showing up, but I doubt it. I feel like uh, MJF could be CM Punk's first loss in AEW. I I could see that. I, I thought that was a great moment though on Wednesday when you know MJF was in the middle of the ring uh, after they did that great like uh, promo after the match. I, they showed it on Dynamite, um, but like I was surprised to see MJF come out again. But then once Punk's like music hit, I was like, oh shit, like <laughs> it's mm. on now. But just to have like Punk fuck with him and like refuse to shake his hand and just walk off and smirk, I thought that was pitch perfect. Um, and I, I have a feeling that this whole like storyline is going to play out over the next like month or so. Because uh, he was originally supposed to be going up against uh, Wardlow, Punk that is. Uh, at the pay-per-view if you remember that like that yeah, one photo <laughs> taken of tony khan on the sidelines at an nfl game uh so yeah it was supposed to be punk versus wardlow so i'm i'm guessing that they were going to start that feud like this feud like prior to the pay-per-view originally but i'm fine as long as we're getting it i mean i definitely think we're going to still see that punk versus wardlow match maybe at their next like yeah. special event they have no i agree i agree he'll probably go through most of the pinnacle honestly mm-hmm you know, just to get to MJF. But up next, we have the Lucha Brothers defeating FTR for the AEW World Tag Team Championship. So I thought this was a good match. Of course, I'm not sure if it actually, like, lived up to my expectations uh, completely, especially with the finish being kind of botched. But still, like, it's one of the better tag team matches you'll ever see. <laughs> mm -hmm. So I'm not going to bitch about it too much. I just like how they really mesh well together and they're still able to stay true to their own styles. Uh, I really hope this feud gets to continue. Um, and it seems like it's going to because they did set up a match for next week's Dynamite with FTR teaming up uh, with Andrade and Malachi Black against the Lucha Brothers and Cody and Pac. Uh, pack. I, I can never get used to saying pack. <laughs> Me neither. Because it just looks like Pac, right? I mean, just mm -hmm. just change your name to Pac. Come on, man. 
But anyway, so it feels like that feud is going to continue on. I also loved all the Eddie love uh, with it being like the anniversary of Eddie's death and actually like being in the town that it happened in. Um, But yeah, no, the finish definitely hurt the match, I thought. Apparently it got botched because Dax got his bell rung somehow. Mm. And the whole like mask thing just came off weird because I guess he wasn't ready because it it was really awkward, right? Yeah, it Uh, was very weird. Yeah. um, But yeah, no, overall, it was still a good match. And we know they're going to have many more to come. So yeah, it would absolutely be disappointing if this is where it ended. But I mean. I think I've seen so many weird botched finishes, like even, you know, just recently with the Orange Cassidy match with uh, Matt Hardy, where he completely like the way that they shot it. He completely missed. Yes. Orange Cassidy. I saw head. that. I don't <laughs> and know what happened. Him. That was weird. I don't know. I mean, it's of no fault of their own, but it definitely feels like like FTR has been kind of like snake bit lately with these like weird type of finishes. Um, but like I said, I mean, shit happens. As long as it doesn't keep them on the shelves, you know, as long as they're able to still go and they're not getting super injured, I'm fine. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. And it's it seems like they're being more featured on the show on a regular mm-hmm. basis, because for a while, it, they just were kind of in the background a lot of the time. So especially like after like the Pinnacle first started. Um, so I'm glad that they're a big part of the show now. Up next, we had Brian Danielson defeating Miro to, you know, finally win that Eliminator tournament. Um, it was by technical submission, and I was kind of surprised to see Daniel Bryan win. Honestly, at this point, I thought Miro was going to come out on top. But now that we've seen the kind of direction they're going with da- with Brian Danielson, I keep wanting to say Daniel Bryan. It's like killing me every time. <laughs> <laughs> now that we're seeing the direction they're going with Brian Danielson, I'm, I'm I'm even a little bit more surprised, but I'm interested to see where they go. No, I agree. I like I thought this was a very good match with a lot of like solid Mm -hmm. back and forth between the two. Like I was also on the edge of my seat because I really had no clue what direction they were headed in. Um, I think we predicted Miro winning, actually, especially since like (laughs) we're like he was taking Moxley's spot and we were really assuming that Moxley was meant to win the whole thing. So just felt like you know they're just going to replace one piece for another but honestly if you think about it like if you have Mira win then it, it feels pretty obvious that kenny's going to lose because you're not going to set up most likely a Miro versus kenny match mm-hmm. but if you have brian win it can go either way now usually AEW just focuses on good storytelling and they don't worry about being like predictable but with this being for you know the title and most likely hangman's first defense it just it it was hard to see what direction they were actually headed in um brian versus hangman is an interesting match, uh, but we'll talk more about that later. Also, before I forget, I just love that Miro's knack is like his kryptonite at this point. <laughs> you know? So I'm wondering like how that's all going to end up playing out. Because it definitely feels like a storyline that's eventually going to go somewhere. Like, I don't know if we're going to see like Miro, like, you know, training in his homelands, you know, <laughs> strengthening his neck, you know, <laughs> and then going on a tear. Uh, but it, it feels like it's going to lead to something. I just don't know what. No, I need like a Rocky montage That's with exactly him. exactly <laughs> what I was thinking. Like Rocky Four, Uh-huh. <laughs> like, you know, with Dolph. But, you know, there was a lot of steroids involved in that. So I, I don't think they're going to go in that direction. Just replace the scenes with him staring up at 
god. There you uh-huh. go. Uh-huh. Or Lana. Fix it there. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Up next, we had a Falls Count Anywhere match with Christian Cage and the Jurassic Express defeating the Super Click. Um, the start of this match, I was just like, it's a Falls Count Anywhere match. Let's get a little wild just off the bat. They played it a little too safe in the middle of the ring. I, I was just like, I don't know. The, the first few minutes really just threw me off compared to the rest. And I I think the main reason was because they kept playing up like, oh, yeah, they're all there ready for almost like a street fight. But they can't call it a street fight because there's another street fight uh-huh. later in the day. So I was just like, yeah, ah, all, all right. And that <laughs> match actually match suffered from the same issue, too. Yes. Like they're trying to be different from this match. So I agree 100 uh, percent. But I still thought this was an incredibly fun match. Uh, I thought they did a wonderful job, like telling the story of like Jungle Boy, like finding his edge. And that's mm-hmm. really what this whole like match really like centered on. Uh, I mean, every single wrestler here like shined, you know, as expected. I still like can't handle that thumbtack in the mouth spot. Like it uh-huh. just puts shivers <laughs> down my spine every time I say I just like get terrified. Like one of them is going to like actually swallow one of the thumbtacks. Uh, also, I mean, Luchasaurus is so fucking talented. Yes. It's scary what that dude can do at his size. And and fucking Christian is way too old to be diving off balconies. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm younger than him just by like a handful of years and I know how I feel like getting up in the morning. So I can't imagine what he feels right now. <laughs> Uh, but I don't know. I'm just happy that Jungle Boy got the win here. It does seem like this feud is going to be carrying on in some form or fashion. So I'm interested to see where they take it. Yeah, because they they set up a match for uh, Adam Cole and Bobby Fish to go up against uh, Jurassic Express on Rampage. So maybe we get like a Cole, like Jungle Boy program going eventually. Most likely. I'm also wondering, like, you know. They keep playing up the Undisputed Era stuff, and with Kenny out, you know, what is what is Cole going to be up to with the Elite? Kind of curious what they're going to do there. I mean, I don't know. Like, I, I feel like the story is really going to be, like, Kenny coming back and trying to transition, like, into, like, the Super Click again. And maybe, like, Adam Cole being the default leader and that causing tension. Mm-hmm. Um. But we do know that like Kyle O'Reilly's contracts up in December and there's only like a 30 day no compete clause in those NXT contracts. Mm -hmm. So you could have the full on like, well, most of the, you know, undisputed error, the original undisputed error, like in AEW sooner than later. So that could definitely be part of the storyline. But anyway, Jungle Boy came in a boy and he left a man. (laughs) They're going to start calling him Jungle Man. That'd be nice. I also was thinking that about would be if awful. Were... <laughs> that would not be nice. <laughs> it would be awesome. <laughs> anyway, I'm glad he shaved the beard too. Uh-huh. That wasn't a good. Uh, <laughs> it, it was. It was a little odd. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I was also wondering, like, if he were to ever turn heel, would he be like corporate boy? Like, would he come out in like a suit instead? I think he would just, you know, go by his actual name. I don't think he would go by cor- <laughs> corporate <on>. boy. <laughs> That'd be funnier. <laughs> That's horrible. <laughs> I'm glad you're not booking. up next we had a tag team match with cody rhodes teaming up with pack to defeat malachi black and andrade el idolo so all around i thought this was solid i don't know if it's possible for these guys to really have a bad match but i do think there was just a little too much gaga going on here uh for my liking which is just a staple of a cody match at this point um Uh (laughs) i i did feel like this felt more like a glorified dynamite match which isn't a bad thing but it just felt like it was kind of shoehorned in here on the card. 
um, especially with such a fucking jam-packed pay-per-view. I don't know if this really needed to be on the show. Uh, I just wish they would have waited a little longer for, like, the descent between the two partners to start. Because it, like, like happens literally right away. Yeah. I did think it was interesting that it was Cody who, like, started things off with the blind tag. Because it's definitely not, like, the babyface thing to do. Uh, that's all I'm saying. Uh, this originally was supposed to be a four-way dance, I guess. Uh, and I'm sure they're eventually going to get there. I'm just not quite sure, like, where this whole storyline is going. I'm assuming it's just going to be Cody Rhodes pissing off Pac. And that's what's going to probably kick off that four-way match in general. Like, But, like, where are we going? Like, wh- who? I, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I don't know what they're doing. Like these guys are all like top echelon wrestlers, mm-hmm. and just feels like this is just a feud for the sake of a feud. Like I, I want to see their stories, like their personal stories, somehow progress in some form or fashion, where they're better off from where they started. No, exactly. I mean, th- these are very four very different characters and this storyline doesn't do shit for them i agree with that (laughs) because it definitely feels like we just don't have anything for you right now so we're just going to throw you Mm -hmm. all together and hope for the best and they're getting good matches out of it i mean maybe they're like telling a slow burn story like you know heading towards like cody's eventual heel turn um or maybe not up next, we have the AEW Women's World Championship match between Britt Baker and Ty Conti, with Britt Baker holding on to the title. So this definitely exceeded my expectations. I know I wasn't high on this match last week, and I still feel like they need stronger like challenges for Britt. Uh, but I thought like Ty showed potential, like you know, to like eventually be that person. I just think she needs to kind of like streamline her offense a little. Like she tries to do way too much. Um, And she hasn't been doing this for very long. Like accentuate your strengths and hide your weakness Mm -hmm. weaknesses. Um, Like if you can't throw a fucking punch, don't throw a punch. Like um, also like, you know, like lean into your background. Like she's a trained fighter. Like just go with that. Um, like, if you don't feel comfortable doing a moonsault, like, don't do it on a fucking pay-per-view <laughs> for the first time, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and she'll eventually get there. But I feel like she's trying to do too much too fast. Um, like, she has all the tools and she has tons of potential. Uh, she just needs a little more guidance. But all in all, I thought it was a solid match. I mean, it got a little too busy at times, but I felt like Britt did a fantastic job of, like, keeping things on track. I mean, Britt's a superstar and they need to make sure that they keep her on a pedestal with like her facing off against the right like competitors. I mean, with the latest additions to the women's roster, it seems like they're on track for that. Uh, The AEW's women division is eventually like going to be a source of strength for the company and, you know, hopefully featured more on the card. Because once again, like (laughs) you have a card with like 10 matches on it. Like, there's no reason why, like, at least two of them couldn't be, like, women's matches. You know, I mean, it brings me back to their last special event where it's like, I felt it was what they had a women's casino battle royal. And I was like, I haven't seen 90% of this female roster at all. (laughs) So I was just pretty much introduced to them. No, you're right. I mean, they're all on dark. Exactly. So, I mean, they do need to focus on it more on the show. And I think you brought up my biggest takeaways from this match was seeing Ty Conti kind of 
you know, hesitating before she does a lot of her big spots and stuff like that. Like that moonsault would took her like 30 seconds to get on top of the rope. Yeah. You know, and it looked like she was praying the entire time up uh-huh. there. So, I mean, if she's not comfortable, don't do it. But it, it wasn't, there were still plenty of solid moments and I was happy to see their performance overall. No, I agree 100%. Like, don't rush it. You'll eventually get there. She's talented. Up next, we have the shortest match on the card with CM Punk defeating Eddie Kingston. But man, did I love every minute of it. No, I I also love this. I mean, this was just a fight and exactly what I wanted. It was brutal and nasty and it felt real like everything Kingston does. I mean, Punk did a great job of reading the crowd. I mean, they absolutely turned on him here, uh, but I don't think it was a permanent thing. It's more about like everyone's love for like the underdog Kingston. It was mm-hmm. strange though, because anytime Punk seemed to do any kind of like mixed martial arts, thing um like that's when he was getting booed uh so that's something to watch uh the cena spot though like i thought that was completely genius uh just a great way to get heat with an AEW crowd uh mm-hmm. and maybe just like sowing seeds for an eventual heel turn i'm curious to see like where they go with kingston uh because like I mean, he really has potential to be really one of their top guys. I mean, I could see him eventually getting a title run in the future. I mean, I think we were saying that earlier on this year where it's just crazy the reaction he's constantly getting from the fans. And, you know, to see him be elevated so high into um, AEW, I I can only imagine maybe by next year he could be a world champion after Paige or whatever they want to do with that. Or even like a TNT title run. I mean, Mm -hmm. he's just that kind of like anti-hero everyone wants to get behind. Well, up next, we had a Minneapolis street fight with the inner circle defeating the men of the year with American Top Team. So I thought this was entertaining enough, but just way too long. Um, Mm -hmm. It did drive me crazy at first because like right off the bat, they were standing on the apron like it was a normal tag match. Yeah. Um, (laughs) I mean, this is a fucking street fight where anything goes. So I don't know why people were waiting to be tagged into the ring, but maybe that was by design because like we were talking about, you know, before with the Bucks match. I mean, it was just so similar to this, you know, rules wise or the lack of rules. So Mm. maybe they just wanted to make it a little different different i don't know uh but it was definitely weird it was driving me nuts uh they did a good job though like considering like they had so many inexperienced like non-wrestlers in the match uh Mm -hmm. there's definitely like some highlights you know of course sammy's ode to jeff hardy with the ladder spot and then you have the whole like baron von raschke like you know pulling the iron cloud on uh, ethan page i thought that was amazing but like what it comes down to is i just don't know what anyone got out of this i mean mm-hmm. i was glad to see like lambert like get his like comeuppance but like <laughs> that was pretty much it i did love like jericho's tribute to eddie with him winning the match with the frog splash um i i, I don't know just for me it just went on way too long yeah like i didn't need every single thing that they've made in minneapolis <laughs> to be used as a weapon but it was fine like there were fun I moments because of it for the the, the principle though I will say okay, that. but some of those <laughs> things I was questioning too, like the toaster was made in Minneapolis. 
apparently. I need I to look know. that up, man. I got to Google this shit. <laughs> I'm calling bullshit on that one. Oh, and to get back to your, your opening statements about like how they started off as a tag match, that drove me nuts because then I was like, well, then who is the legal man that needs to be pinned? Yeah. Because then I started thinking about like... <laughs> Okay, if the, if this goes crazy now, like, does only one person need to be pinned since he can't tag anyone else in? Like, how does this work? <laughs> so, like, I mean, luckily it didn't last too long, but I guess uh-huh. on Instagram, Jericho tried to explain it away by saying that a traditional Minneapolis, like, street fight, that's how they started off, like, the first five minutes or something like sure. that. Sure. I feel like it's a bunch of bullshit, but I liked the uh-huh. creativeness of the excuse, at least. And one more thing. I want more Santana and Ortiz, like, doing tag matches. Yes. On the actual show. I just don't think we're getting enough of Unfortunately, I think it's more of a product of them having uh, babyface champs right now. Because I felt like they're headed in the direction of being, like, top contenders for those belts. But now they've kind of, like, fallen back into the background. Because if you think about it, they won that FTR feud, I believe. So it's weird to see FTR like yeah. get the bump, but once again, I think it's just a product of having babyface champs. So you know, maybe once you know, if FTR you know picks up those titles, or if another heel tag team you know gains those titles, we'll see you know Santana and Ortiz you know get a shot finally. Well, finally, after a couple of awesome little intros. We got Hangman Adam Page defeating Kenny Omega for the AEW World Championship. Yeah, I mean, this was everything I wanted from this match and more. Great storytelling throughout. In hindsight, uh, I can't believe Omega had this type of match. Being as banged up as he is, uh, it's just a testament to what kind of professional he is and really like his grit. It's awesome that, you know, he wanted to make sure that they got to finish this chapter of their story like the right way, you know, by doing the honors for Hangman. Uh, Hangman's definitely on his way to being a monster baby face. Uh, And hopefully, you know, he'll be able to like carry the company for years to come. Uh, I did love the moment, too, with the Bucks, you know, with the subtle nod. Um, It was just a real nice wrinkle in that storyline. And I'm really looking forward to, like, the beginning of Paige's reign, uh, which, you know, took an interesting turn this past Wednesday. To find out that Kenny Omega has been having, like, vertigo and the ring is just spinning as well is insane. Yeah. I can't believe that. It's crazy to think, too, because Ric Flair had the same issue. Um, Mm -hmm. way back when so i don't know how you possibly like you know function like that let alone wrestle fucking match Mm -hmm. (laughs) and like especially like you know 60 minute broadways like those two do so um it's impressive uh but like omega barely had use of his shoulders and he was like i guess he uh told dave Meltzer like i don't need my shoulders to work a match (laughs) <laughs> yes you do i was like what <laughs> it's like You're a big part of your finisher, finisher. yeah <laughs> i don't know man but he but pulled the, it off i mean yeah. he did so this um, was the perfect cap to this pay-per-view in general i mean man the storyline between adam page and kenny omega has been going forever and i'm i'm excited that we're finally seeing adam page at the top of the mountain you know as he promised from the beginning of the show 
Yeah, and you know what? Honestly, like the storyline's not even over yet because I feel like (laughs) the ending of the story is going to be like, you know, the elite reuniting at the ends, like everyone getting back on the same page, no pun intended, you know, and joining forces. So, um, you know, there's going to be more to come, honestly. But this is just the perfect example of why long term, like storytelling wrestling really fucking matters (laughs) i mean all the different wrinkles all the subtle nuances that they you know put into like the effort of telling this story over the last couple years all were paid off on you know this pay-per-view you know uh you know it's what wrestling fans really like look forward to and i feel like you know it's a lost art but to get into a little bit of the you know first chapter of Adam Page's reign, we have Daniel Bryan showing up on you know Cowboy Shit Day, yeah, to, interrupting you know, the celebration exactly, which was very I, WWE, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> but maybe that was on purpose. Perhaps um, he pretty much states that he's congratulating you know Adam Page on the win, but an argument ensues and he just goes full heel. Like, he's just tearing down the town and everything. Yes, yes. He said something about hard work, um, and then they start to boo, and he's like, of course, Virginia would boo hard work, um, which is a classic heel line. (laughs) Um, And Daniel Bryan, I mean, he is a fantastic heel, so he'll definitely, like, shine, you know, in this new role. But it was a little off-putting to me to see him just, like, all of a sudden, like, you know, transition into it like without any kind of like rhyme or reason um i wish there was a little more of a storytelling element i mean a reason Mm -hmm. given why he was becoming heel other than you know he just wants page's title i mean since he's been in AEW, he's been all business and his ring style has definitely been a lot more aggressive um but it still doesn't seem like it really jives with, you know, the character we saw before the pay-per-view, uh, you know, for him to like all of a sudden just turn out of nowhere. Because mm. this was kind of just out of nowhere. This doesn't seem like the same guy we saw before the pay-per-view. Um, but he's great at it. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. <laughs> like He's a fantastic heel and it's going to be entertaining. I just wish there was more of a story beat you know, to transition him, you know, into this role. I mean, Jesus Christ, when he name dropped WrestleMania, like he knew he that was going to get him tons of heat with an AEW audience. So that was just fantastic and a real nice touch. Uh, just really showing like, you know, what he's capable of, you know, as a heel. He's the kind of personality where, you know, in a line, he could, you know, have fans behind him. Or he could have fans turn on him, you know, mm-hmm. with just a single line of dialogue. <laughs> so that that takes skill. There's not many who could do that. No, I mean, it did come out of nowhere, but I loved the segment. I mean, like him saying to uh, Hangman Adam Page, you know, they're never going to let you go because they know that you're, you, you aren't going to do shit. And he just charges and gets kicked in the face uh-huh. out of nowhere. It was just a great moment in general. And I love, like, the line about, like, all the excuses like i don't want to wrestle you here because i don't want to hear uh-huh. you you know <laughs> make a bunch of excuses on why you lost the belt uh you know just a real classic heel line you know a great way to like back out of like the match without like backing out of the match mm-hmm. so uh but yeah i heard some people saying that this wasn't a full heel turn and i don't know what the hell they were watching but this definitely felt like a full heel turn 
And I'm wondering if this was done due to concerns that we're kind of talking about last week, where, you know, having someone as over as Daniel Bryan as a babyface going up against Paige could possibly, like, hurt his, like, title run. Um, whereas, you know, if you have him going up against a strong heel, it's going to do nothing but, like, you know, get fans behind him. Um you know, and Daniel Bryan is showing that he can pull it off. Or Brian Danielson. I keep on calling him Daniel Bryan now, too. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, it's his own fault for fucking switching his name in the WWE to basically his name just backwards and then having uh-huh. to switch it back again. <laughs> it's confusing. But yeah, I mean, if you think about it, if we're right in, you know, speculating that this was supposed to be Moxley winning, mm-hmm. you know, the tournament and everything like that. And he was definitely turning heel it felt like um it only makes sense that they turn brian too i mean i'm excited to see brian run through all of you know of the dark order so i mean it should be fun to watch and hopefully the crowd doesn't you know turn against this heel turn in general like keep just cheering him no matter what i'm just curious to see what they're gonna do though like i mean don't you think Hangman's going to come out and try to defend them and, like, say, no, let's have our match now so he doesn't, like, decimate the entire Dark Order? So I'm wondering if, like, Tony's going to announce that match, you know, date sooner than later so then we know that, you know, we have to wait until then. I'm kind of assuming it's going to take place uh, during the premiere of the show uh, transitioning over to TBS uh, or... I mean, perhaps they wait to the next pay-per-view, but that's all the way in February. Mm-hmm. So that feels like a long time to kind of, you know, air this out and not have, you know, some kind of like title match in between, you know, now and then. Uh, but I mean, they do love long-term storytelling, so it's possible, but it, it feels like it's probably going to be in a month or so. Especially if they continue on with this whole, like, Brian is, like, overworking himself, like, angle as well, where he's just having match after match after match, because that could play into why he loses against Hangman if they needed an additional excuse. That's true. That's true. Um, I just hope they allow Hangman to beat him, like, cleanly, in the middle of the ring to keep his momentum going. Uh, I love that line that he had uh, with Brian in the ring where he mentioned that it didn't take him 30 minutes to beat Omega. I thought that was really well done. Mm -hmm. And Hangman did a great job, like standing his ground against Brian, who's, you know, a lot more experienced on the mic. So, I mean, he was able to hold his own. Well, while I believe Brian will make a great heel, the true heels in wrestling right now are the WWE, (laughs) as they have fired another group of poor unfortunate souls. Uh, Do you want me to give you that list, Damon? (laughs) I guess. Fucking Nick Uh, Khan. We got got John Morrison, Top Dollar, Adonis, Isaiah Swerve Scott, Tegan Knox, Drake Maverick for the third time, Shane Thorne, and Jackson Ryder. And that's all of Hit Row, by the way. Uh (laughs) What the fuck are they doing? I don't understand. I don't know. (laughs) They were like, they seemingly were pushing like, you know, Hit Row. So, and then within like just two weeks, they're all gone. Just amazing know, to man. me. So once again, <laughs> though, I, I really believe it's because they were like Triple H's guys. So mm. it just feels like they're really like clearing like, you know, the entire system of anyone who has anything to do with Triple H. 
um, which is scary to think because a lot of the wrestlers, you know, have connections to Triple H. I mean, what, Hit Row was on the main roster for maybe three weeks total? I mean, that's that's not long enough to, like, get yourself over, you know? And they, you can't tell me they were, were able to, like, really, like, assess, like, if they were, you know, worthy of being on the main roster in such a short period of time. It, it just, I don't know. I, I, Tegan Knox is going to be fine. I think AEW will pick her up right away. Um, mm-hmm. You know, she's ultra talented. I I still don't understand what the fuck they're doing. I mean, you can't convince me they're not shopping this company around <laughs> at this point. Johnny Drip Drip, he's probably already booking dates, I'm sure. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> that guy can pretty much go wherever he wants to. So um, he'll be more than fine. Uh, who else was on this list, Christian? Um, we had Slapjack. Oh, Slapjack was on the list? Yeah, Shane Thorne. Oh, that's Slapjack. Mm-hmm. Poor Slapjack. <laughs> my god like he never had a fucking chance like them making him wear that fucking paper plate on his face mm-hmm. jesus christ uh <laughs> and then also drake maverick right mm-hmm. you mentioned did you see the video that he put together um yeah as soon as you mentioned it i, I looked it up what? and i was like what <laughs> what is this <laughs> i'm impressed like he must have uh-huh. been fucking prepared for this for a while like, the fact that he, like, played into, like, you know, his last infamous video where, you know, it basically got him rehired. Um, but it was just pure genius, like, having him, like, start it off that way and then going, like, completely cinematic with him, like, giving himself a pep talk, basically. And then, like, him, like, rising up from the ashes and, you know, seeing his phone ring, you know, you know the next morning. Just super inspirational and just, you know, clever and well done. Um, That guy is ultra talented and like any roster would be better for having him like on board. So um, I could see, you know, him landing in like tons of different places. Because if you think about it, like he took all the bullshit that they gave him and he made something out of it. I just don't know what more they could possibly want. And I mean, when you look at the amount of wrestlers that they've let go over the last two years. I mean, one, it tells you just how cold-hearted they really are, you know, especially, Mm. you know, making the record profits that they're making right now and to release all these people, like, you know, especially during a fucking pandemic is just kind of gross. But also the fact that they're just, like, hoarding talent for the sake of hoarding talent just to, you know, keep them away from their competitors. I mean, just pretty fucking ridiculous. I mean, the fact that they could let go over 80 people this year, like 80 wrestlers this year, and still have a functioning locker room, it tells you that they were just way too bloated, you know, Mm -hmm. as a company. So I don't know. I don't know. That's just bad business. Um, But I, I still feel like they're shopping, you know, the company around at this point you know and trying to get their bottom line you know looking like perfect um you know for a potential buyer so but we'll see well that that buyer's inheriting you know a company with no wrestlers so (laughs) they still have tons of wrestlers though on the roster yeah yeah But yeah, I mean, we don't mean to make light of a, a shitty situation because I can't even imagine like how the roster, the, the the remaining roster in WWE feels right now. I mean, morale has to be like an all time low, because if you're mm-hmm. not like one of the main stars, 
Like, do you feel fucking safe in that company? No, and, not and, at all. And like, who the fuck is going to want to sign with them? Knowing that, like, within like just a couple weeks, you could get cut at any point. I mean, look at fucking Harry Smith. Like, he had one dark match. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he was gone. Uh, I don't know, man. And it's just like, if I was someone that was already, you know, establishing myself in the indies, I just would never approach WWE. You have to be someone that they have to mold from the ground mm-hmm. up, or otherwise you're not going anywhere in that company. That's the truth. I mean, not at this point. So, I mean, luckily, there are plenty of other places for people to go right now. Um, but it's definitely getting crowded out there at this point. <laughs> so, um, I mean, it's just sad now when, like, this news, you know, comes across Twitter. I'm not even surprised anymore. Because it's happening so frequently. Like, the last batch of releases was was literally just like two weeks ago, right? Yeah, it was only a couple weeks ago. We were making that joke where it's like, oh, we'll see when the next time people get fired. Yeah, like, because it felt quarterly, but now it's uh just like monthly. Because honestly, like, what could have possibly happened in that like two week period that like, you know, got these people fired? Like, what changed? Why couldn't they just let them go like, you know, last, you know, month? Like, I, I don't get Maybe it. they thought the number was too high and they were like, oh, we got to split these up a little bit, I guess. <laughs> but I feel like that even makes it worse. It's like, just tear it off like a Band-Aid and get it over with. I don't know. So, I don't know. I, I just, I'm imagining what it was like to be like, I'm finally moving up to the main roster and yeah. then just get kicked off it, like a week later. I just can't. Yeah. Like, what, what <sighs> did like Hit Row maybe complain or something? Did they piss someone off? I doubt you it. You know, once uh, B-Fab <laughs> got fired, because she got uh, released, right? And she was a big part mm. of that group. And then, like, a week later, they or two weeks later, they got fired. What? <laughs> They're like, man, that sucks that she got fired. Oh, you want to talk? Mm. <laughs> right? And then, like, Top Dollar was actually, like, pulling double duty and hosting their reality show on A&E where they go looking for, like, you know, superstars, like, memorabilia, like, throughout history and shit. Mm. So... <laughs> I mean, there goes the second season of that show. They'll probably rehire Drake Maverick to host it or something. <laughs> I would hope he'd be smart enough not to sign yes, anybody else. Yes, just get the fuck out of town. <laughs> <laughs> well, Damon, it's about time we get the fuck out of town. All right, let's take it home. Well, that does it for this week. That's right, and as a friendly reminder, if you're listening to us on your favorite podcast platform, remember to subscribe, rate, and give us a five-star review. Exactly. It sure does help an independent podcast like ours continue to grow. And while you're at it, make sure to tell a friend. Plus, if you like any of the stories we talked about on this week's episode, make sure to check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter to catch the full articles, trailers, memes, and more. That's right. You can follow us at Amazing Nerd Show on all social media platforms. And hey, if you're looking for extra content, make sure to catch our streams every weekend on Twitch, plus YouTube videos Monday through Friday. Want to support the show further? You can head over to tpublic.com and get yourself some amazing Nerd Show merch. We've got t-shirts, hoodies, stickers, and more. And if you post what you bought and tag us on social media, we'll send you some additional nerd swag if you live in the United States. Well, all right, Damon, what are we talking about next week? All right, join us next week as we break down the first two premiere episodes of Hawkeye. 
Plus, we're talking WWE Survivor Series, and we'll see who they fire right after that event. Yeah, the real Survivor Series is like whoever can pass Nick Khan in the hallway and not get fired. <laughs> but anyway, happy Thanksgiving. See you next week. Yes, happy Thanksgiving. That was The Amazing Nerd Show. Be strong, Harry. Avenge me. Avenge me! No! <laughs>